Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I got my, my summertime cut. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask. Did, did. So last time we, we did basically this, you know, it's just, it was like an ex- a severe asymmetrical uh, kind of faded on one side and long on the other with an undercut. Sure. Um but, you know, as the summer months are, I mean, honestly, he, here in St. Louis, the summer months are upon us. Like, there, there is no reprieve at this point. Like, it has hit 90, and we will be at or around there for the next, like, three and a half years or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's what it's going to feel like. Uh, we already had that that scare where we thought our air conditioning was broken. Thank fuck it's not. Uh, it actually feels really nice in this room. Uh, which is a rare thing when I'm recording, uh, yeah. but decided to to go like full shave around the side, like all the way up to the par. I gave that real extreme kind of like '90s skater thing uh, that I that I didn't do uh, as a kid in the '90s because I wasn't a skater punk, but I wanted to be. Be wanted to be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I a listened, skater, but not. I a listened punk. to EMF. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I can't even with you right now. Yeah. I, you know, it's being like, I uh, never wanted to skateboard. I knew that I didn't have the the balance for it. Oh, yeah. I, I fell off several times the one and only time I tried. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely was an inline skater and had like the skates with like the little grind thing in the middle oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. And I did, I did a little bit. I couldn't go like down rails or anything, but I could do like on a curb where I could slide on a curb. An inline skater. You An inline skater. Rollerblade. Rollerblade nerd. Well, so that's the thing is like rollerblade is a is a it's a brand, right? Rollerblade was a brand. Uh, so like right. it feels I weird. Forget that. It feels weird saying rollerblade, like knowing that, you know, I, I don't know, but I still say Kleenex. Yeah. You know, I still say, hey, give me a Kleenex or a tissue, you know, instead of a tissue. I mean, I guess I say tissue now more than I say Kleenex, but like it's the same idea. Yeah, I I forget that rollerblade's a brand. And I wonder how many, and I guess this could potentially tie into last week's uh discussion on the Mandela effect. I wonder how many um common like nouns uh, uh, yeah you know know, non-proper nouns as we think of them are actually proper nouns actually brand names that people have just forgotten yeah there's got to be a lot of them i mean like 
you know, definitely Kleenex, definitely Rollerblade. Like those are the two right off, you know, the mm-hmm. top of my head that I'm like, yes, those are those are actual proper brand names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we've just associated them so much so with because that's the thing. Like even if you buy a non-brand, you know, you're not buying Rollerblade Rollerblades. Yeah, you still are saying Rollerblade. You're not buying Kleenex brand tissue. You're still going to call it Kleenex. You know, like yeah. what is. What what are all the others? I don't know. I don't know. I can't I think know. of any others, but there's got to be others. It can't be more than just those two. Well, I think about like in in the realm of like uh, toys and household entertainment, like Slinky came to mind. I don't know why Slinky came to mind, but Slinky. Oh came right, to mind. yeah, Slinky. Yeah, Slinky's got to be one because like it is a Slinky, but is it? It's the brand Slinky, right? I bet somebody has probably done a like really well researched medium article on that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, I'm sure we could uh, uh, we could go all about this ad infinitum. Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> and that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, and I could do this all day. <laughs> and that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your- <laughs> so that's a joke if you watch this movie because. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, muffled screaming (laughs) makes me cough. So uh, we are almost done with our multiverse month, and Mm -hmm. uh, we are we are on. uh, I would say probably this is a really interesting multiverse theory movie, and in fact, they actually refer to it as Paraverse. But it this is another one of those films that's like, is it actually multiverse? Or is it not? Like this one, I kind of lump with the movie Multiverse, where it's not, it's kind of time loop multiverse and not like multiple, multiple so, universe. Yeah, this movie plays with a lot of really interesting concepts. And uh, from like, so I don't know if, if you did this, but I, I went and I read the trivia on IMDb because I, yeah. I was super curious because the, um, the synopsis says an experimental film shot with just one crew member. Jane is trapped in a parallel universe and is forced to find her way to alt- uh, find a way to alter her reality before it is too late. Fucking fascinating concept. Great uh, concept. Both from a story standpoint and a production standpoint, like really, really fascinating. Uh, and so, then you see the two people that star in it, and you're like, "Fucking Varys from Game of Thrones and Ian Sir Ian McKellen." You're like, <laughs> "How? Like this is amazing." Yes, uh, and unlike the time that we had uh, a movie with Sir Ben Kingsley and uh, the uh, ever fabulous. Uh, Jillian Anderson, uh, is that somehow still fucking bombed. Still uh, terrible. The, the, like, I, I now go into movies like this with the, just a little bit of hesitance. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, this can't miss. Oh, but it can though. I've really? learned. Oh. I've learned that it can over over a period of time of repetition. <laughs> I've learned that it can miss. I also, That's see also what you did. a joke about this movie. Uh, <laughs> but reading through the the trivia, uh, a couple of really interesting things stand out. Uh, first of all, it isn't technically just one crew member. Uh, that was a little bit misleading, but this was a COVID lockdown film in, in the UK, specifically in and around London. And the uh, co-writers, uh, Tori and Matthew Butler Hart, uh, basically did the, the bulk of this film with just the two of them 
Matthew running the camera and directing and Tori being the star, but also basically like one of the only characters and playing uh, a few uh, parts throughout as well. She does some voice work and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so really, really fascinating approach to uh, filmmaking during COVID. And then uh, the other two people that we see it for any significant period of time, Ian McKellen and Conla Hill, uh, basically just filmed themselves with Matthew directing remotely. So that's really cool. Also, yes, protecting McKellen at all costs. <laughs> so yeah. well done. Well done, the the butler hearts here. Uh, there was more uh, crew involved and a few more people, uh, but like really sparsely. And uh, I will say, before we even get into what this movie is about, a lot of heavy lifting done by both the editing and sound departments. Uh, some yeah. really, really and impressive VFX. work. Yeah. Um, because, uh, as has come up controversially a number of times amongst our, our circle of friends, this film was shot entirely on iPhone, apparently. Uh, I hear, I can hear Micah Khan all the way from <laughs> Albany being like, you motherfuckers, I will. <laughs> and listen, I, uh, I tend to agree with Micah that the, like, just shoot it on iPhone is vastly an oversimplification, uh, especially with the just the tiny glimpse of filmmaking that I got when we made Somnium. Uh, and that, that only scratches the surface of what a production can be. Sure. And just shoot it on iPhone doesn't begin to cover it. But that said, it's also a fucking fantastic, like, fascinating medium to experiment with for something like this, which apparently was never meant to be, like big public release. It was more of much like <clears throat> uh, what we've talked about with some of the things we want to do is more of a proof of concept of like, Hey, here's what we can do. We're like, we're in lockdown right now. We're bored. We've got an iPhone. Let's like, we've got this story that we want to tell in this much larger universe, so to speak. Uh, let's show them what we can do while we're, while we're out of work right now. And I think that that's fucking fascinating. And like, First of all, like, again, before talking anything about the substance of this movie, uh, bravo for what you've accomplished here. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like the production aspect of it, like how the how this thing came about, like you know the the ins and outs of it is very commendable. It is mm -hmm. very very commendable. You know, and with with being the time that it was shot, how it was shot, absolutely. You know, and uh, you know, I, I'm also a. Uh, I'm I'm a kind of on the fence about the you know just shoot it on your phone thing you know we're like yeah right like you're not gonna shoot you're not Steven Soderbergh you're not gonna shoot a film on your iPhone and then you know sell it to cans like right. that's not like you know like that's not how it's gonna be but if you're some like 22 year old kid and that's all you have make your art, man. Like do what you yeah. got to do to make your art. Like don't, you know, don't sit back and be like, well, I'll just wait until I get $10,000 to rent, you know, or find a friend with a really nice camera that's willing to do it for free. Like sometimes that is just not an option. So, you know, yep. make your art however you need to make it. But like, I think, I think where Micah's uh, uh, perspective comes from is that like not everyone has the financial ability to just make a phone, uh, make a film, even on a phone, right? Yeah. That that's not a practical. It's it's not practical. There, you know. But you well, know, I get it. Even talking about like, yes, you can film a movie on an iPhone. Yes, 
absolutely, you can do that. But there are so many other layers to making a film that, again, I, I think it really comes down to an oversimplification and a, like a serious glossing over of all of the other people involved be, beyond the person operating the camera and what camera they're physically using uh, and all of the hard work that goes into it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's a great experimental medium for the filming aspect. Yeah. But, like, there there is obviously so much more than just this was shot on an iPhone. Right. And, you know, to your point, this film specifically was not intended to be a released film. It was mm-hmm. intended to be, um, I think they described it as basically like a prequel uh, because the the actual series, because this this uh, so if if you are unaware, if we haven't said it yet, this film is Infinitum, subject unknown, and mm-hmm. this was kind of only uh, basically meant to be like a prequel short that they were going to use to sell the larger package of Infinitum, which is what the, like the the actual scientists, like the the actual um, witness program and all that stuff, which they did. It is actually in development. It's going to be a series. Um, called Infinitum, and it, they are making it. It is being produced as a as a sci fi series. There's um, implications that there might be an actual like feature film as well as a TV series and a graphic novel. So like they think the Butler Hearts here have this whole world dreamed up, and like I am I'm intrigued to see what they do because there there's some some interesting storytelling here that uh, this proof of concept. Get, being what it was doesn't really dive too deeply into that just kind of like it dangles a little treat in front of me and I'm like hey you, you want a little more you want yeah. a little more oh, oh not today no you almost got it there. <laughs> almost got it you gotta be quicker <laughs> oh boy. yeah and, and that's the thing like listen I'll, I'll say it up front this film's not great and it's about 45 minutes longer than it needs to be you know like this could have been an amazing sci-fi short prequel like marvel one shot size film that just, introduced the idea of uh the idea of the, of the world and the, and the universe i literally just watched a marvel one shot right before coming in to record this i watched the agent carter one oh yeah oh, very yeah. good yeah. very good i love agent carter i love that series i liked the agent carter series I didn't get to watch it when it originally aired, and I have seen that is now on uh, Disney Plus. I just need to get around to like starting the series one time because it it looks fantastic, and I loved that character. And it's Haley Atwell, right? Haley Atwell. Yep. Haley Atwell is brilliant. So. Yep. Yeah. Very excited. Hopefully, yeah. More. More. Um, <laughs> more. More. Uh, yeah. So this film, it, it, I mean, there's only one, technically, one character in this movie uh, of which we really learn anything. So as we mentioned, we we hear uh, from two other scientists, specifically um, uh, Professor uh, Ufsgaard, right? Ostergaard. Ostergaard and Dr. Charles Marland White. <laughs> Charles uh, Xavier, wait. <laughs> Dr. Charles Xavier. Uh, Dr. Charles Marland White is played by Sir Ian McKellen, and uh, uh, Conleth Hill plays uh, Professor Ostergaard, um, who I-, I would say Professor Ostergaard is really the main person uh, about witness um and he's the one that essentially makes the discovery of uh what they initially call the paraverse uh, which is like then that to them is like how they prove that multiverse theory is real because they found specifically a parallel universe that uh as in the opening monologue ian mckellen explains 
uh, is so much like our world in every way, except this one has been at war for, you know, for years or whatever. So we just, we get a sense that it is basically like the dark timeline of ours, which uh, is really scary to think because our timeline is pretty dark. It's pretty dark. <laughs> and if we're not the darkest, um, <laughs> then yeah. they're fucked. <laughs> so my uh yeah so we get that introduction right off the bat and uh you know it's it's done through you know behind the scenes style interview you know like where they're looking off the camera and talking about this and we get very interesting quips about what the uh, a very vague larger sense of what the actual program is about mm -hmm. um and then it cuts to a scene and this is where the majority of our movie takes place is we we see we'll call her jane uh or number seven we're just jane is what we'll call her um because that's how she's listed in imdb yeah, um so it is yep and uh jane so Ellipsis. jane uh, played by uh tori butler hart um as we mentioned she is tied up to a chair uh, and, you know, she kind of wakes up, she sees what's, you know, kind of looks around like, what the hell? She is uh, uh, legs uh, tied to the chair, arms tied behind her back and a, uh, a gag in her mouth, right? Like she mm -hmm. has just like a piece of cloth in her mouth. Um, so, you know, eventually she's like, haha, like blah, 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 falls over, undoes everything, looks around the room and is like, you know, where the fuck am I? How do I get out of here? She can't find an exit. And then she gets really frustrated, and then it goes like, you know, we get that like, and then it cuts back again to her sitting in the chair. Yeah, it's like a squealing, a high pitched hum that denotes that something is about to happen in sci-fi or thrillers. Yeah, every every time. So, so yeah, so that happens, and that repeats like ten times. And this is where, uh, I mean, I get it. I understand what they were doing, like what this, the scene they're setting is seeing that basically, you know, each time there's slight variations uh, that she does it. So the first time, you know, she falls over, you know, gets, gets everything out. Her arms are still, uh, her hands are still tied, but she gets everything else off. And, you know, one time she looks out the window, another time she, you know, mills around the room and it, seemingly there's no exit. There's no doors in this room and she's in what appears to be like an attic. Right. Um, and eventually, you know, we see that happen four or five times and each time she gets frustrated, it resets back to the beginning. And eventually she finds, that there's like a hidden stairwell, like under a pile of things. Um, and you know, so then she goes down the stairs and we see that like 10 times where she keeps getting to the bottom of the stairs, getting frustrated because she gets stuck somehow. And then it resets back to her at the top of the stairs. So this is a part of, <clears throat> excuse me, where I say that the, the, uh, the VFX editing and the, uh, the sound department really are doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting for the narrative here. Uh, because again, we get those you know, like the weird sounds and the glitchy video when uh, when she when she's getting emotionally worked up and frustrated, and the loop resets, uh, and then we hear voiceovers of scientists discussing uh, like things like multiverse theory. It sounds like the. Uh, Dr. Oster, no, I forgot his name, uh, Ostergaard, Dr. Ostergaard's voice uh, a couple times. And then other times it's just scientists. Sometimes it sounds like Jane's voice. Um, we keep getting um, little tiny, basically like breadcrumbs of what's happening to her uh, throughout each of these loops. And sometimes it's things that won't actually pay off for several minutes, uh, a sound that we hear or like, 
a flicker of some some visual things like that. Uh, and I love that. Like we we get a sense fairly early on that they're they're playing with time in some way. You know, the uh, the Ostergaard voice uh, talks about you know we. Um, uh, something to the effect of like we needed a control for the experiment, and uh, you know if we didn't have the you know the ability to uh, to manipulate time, these something like you know the Keras effect or something like that he calls it, uh, we wouldn't be able to do this. So we get the sense that they take someone and they're putting them in a, a loop to the sense that like if they get to a certain point where they're not reacting well, they can reset and start over. Uh, and so that helps us build. So yes, it does. It initially feel felt to me uh, like it was too repetitive and like there there was you know okay it's this again, but when you start catching those subtle things, uh, it's really really interesting. One of the times when she throws herself over in the chair, she looks up at the ceiling, and you can just like barely make out before they move away. There's a symbol drawn on the ceiling. That pays off later. Uh, so there's a yeah. lot of little things like they're that. all over the place. I noticed yeah. them in almost every scene because one, there's one uh, in the garage where she finds yep the keys. There's another one in the other garage where she finds the bus. There's yep. one. I mean, like there's one in one of the graffiti's uh, uh, when she's standing against a wall. Yeah, like they hide the the that symbol everywhere, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So we get a lot of repetition, and eventually, each uh, you know, for the first like I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes of this movie, it, a lot of it, it you know, a- after the after our introduction with the two science with the the doctor and the professor, um, after that, a lot of like the fifteen twenty minutes of that is just her going through the motions and like variations each time. So. Mm-hmm. You know, one, she looks at the bookshelf first, another, she looks at the window first, and then she goes down the stairs and makes it out, and she gets to the kitchen, and then she gets to the living room, and then she gets outside. So, like, each time it progresses just a little bit more, um, and, you know, each each time she uh, frees her hands different ways. Like, one time she uses, like, uh, like, lawn scissors, another time she uses, like, a knife, you know, from the kitchen, and mm-hmm. sometimes she uses regular scissors. So, like, we see that there is a variation each time. I appreciate the length at which they went to it. I just feel like it was, it was overkill, and... And it became redundant because I was like, I I get it. Like, I get that we're doing it over and over again. And a lot of it felt unnecessary. Um, where I was like, you could be doing... Like, you don't have to give me all the story, right? Like, I don't need her to, like, stumble across, uh, you know, the manuscript and be like... Let me exposition dump everything. Like, I don't... We don't need that, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're smarter watchers than that. But... I, there was a lot of it that I was like, we we don't need to do this again, like this way. Like we can, there's a better way of doing it. I felt like once she starts progressing further, and like you know, basically, like you, you said, and she she gets to the point of figuring out how to escape the room, but then she can't get past the stairwell. It keeps resetting, keeps resetting, and then eventually uh, she resets all the way back. Sometimes she resets just back to the top of the stairs and so forth. Yeah. She slowly starts to make it beyond. <clears throat> but as she does that, then she starts to see and hear other strange things. Like, you know, we see several shots of the outdoors and it's completely deserted, uh, yeah. which again is another like kind of brilliant use of the time and circumstances in which they were filming this because the streets would have been empty uh, yep. with people all locked down in their homes. Uh, but we see, you know, several exterior shots that, that show us there is no one around. You know, the 
you know, first time she wakes up, she's pounding on the window, screaming for help. I don't know why she doesn't open it, but uh, right. I mean, there may have been noise regulations in the neighborhood or something. <laughs> um, but she also sees little things like, you know, there are, there's Zeppelins flying around in the air over London, which is odd. What uh, is, what is with England and using Zeppelins as a symbol for fascism? <laughs> Cause like anytime you see Zeppelins in, in a European thing, you're like, oh, it's gotta be fascist. Like I that's mean, what it is. I mean, yeah, I know it's the whole German thing, German. but like, <laughs> it's just so funny that it's like, that's like their subtle way. You know, you see a Zeppelin, you'd be like, oh, not fascist. Got that's, it. That's yeah. how you know that you're in you're yeah. in a, a, a fascist England uh, timeline. Yeah. <laughs> right. that's, 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 anyway, uh, but she starts I to live to, in the like, hot air balloon one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, I want to live in the steamboat one. Uh, she starts to hear like soldiers' voices outside, and like she yep. sees shadows. But then, like she looks out the window, doesn't see anybody, and like you know, she hears people like searching the home that she's in, but no one's there. And yeah. she starts wandering through the house, and like she'll see a door shut or like see a shadow move or like hear something in another room. She'll go there, and uh, no one will be there. So like we almost have some weird like kind of haunting type elements, almost like some some horror type elements. Uh, but then we start to see little glimpses of it's her. <clears throat> like she'll be standing looking out a window and there'll be another version of her in the garage across the alley. Or like, you know, she sees like uh, a figure move into a room real quickly and we, the audience, pick up like, oh, that's that's actually her. That's Tori Butler Hart. Uh, that's Jane. Uh, but then she goes in the room and it's empty. And so like we start to get a sense that like somehow these different time loops are also overlapping in some way. <clears throat> Uh, that is uh, like helping her. Like you, we we get a, another voiceover later that you know she's starting to uh, recognize the infinite possibilities of the universe, and that's really what the the infinitum part of the the title is about. Is that uh, multiverse is literally an infinite number of possibilities of things that could have happened, of ways that scenarios could have played out, and we start to learn that the the goal here is for the subject to be able to start to anticipate those possibilities and thus have some degree of control over reality. So we see her at first, you know, she finds a car, but she can't find the keys. And then, you know, she gets a, a vision and she goes and finds right where they are. In a later loop, without thinking, she just reaches up and grabs the keys without even looking. And then she looks at them like, how did I know that those were there? And so like, that's where a lot of the really cool visual stuff starts to pay off. Yeah, you know, and there's, uh, uh, to that, uh, you know, she keeps trying to start the car on the driveway, and it keeps not starting for her, and even one time, she grabs the keys, and she walks to the car, and she goes, the car won't start, and then she's like, how do I know that, yes. and she sits down and tries to start the car, and it doesn't start, and she's mm -hmm. like, huh, and, you know, and then she goes back, you know, but then another time, she's like, she puts the key in the car, and she's like, no, the car will start. And then she starts the car and it does start. So this is our indication that she, there's like two layers that I, I, I hope that they go into it in more detail because without, without knowing what this was intended for, if somebody just said, Hey, this is just a movie that is out. There's nothing like, this is just a movie. You're, you're to accept it as it is. I would be like, man, this is written pretty poorly. Yes. But with the intention of knowing that this is meant as like a pre-explanation, like it's just an hour long teaser. It's an hour and a half long teaser for something bigger, better. Now I'm like, okay, I understand that because like there are points where she's like, 
she she like plays through the scenarios in her head and is like, ah, no, keys, cut the wire, you know, cut my hands here, you know, cut my hands free here, pick up the supplies here, pick up the jacket here, the flashlight here. Cut my um, life but- into pieces. <laughs> this might be my last resort. And then it gets <laughs> to the point where she starts willing the specific scenario to happen. Like the same thing with the um, later when she sees this Volkswagen bus, she's like, she can't find the keys for it and she's looking at it and she kind of like, you know, stares it down and then it just instantly starts, right? And there's nobody <laughs> in it. And so that's like your scenario where you know that she basically manifested that specific uh, scenario or that specific reality in which the VW bus just starts and she's able to get in it um, and drive away. And that's the that's the bigger story is knowing that the point of this whole thing is is to get the subject to look at a situation. It, it's Doctor Strange and the Time Stone, right? It's <laughs> yep. I looked through 14 million different realities and this is the only reality in which that happens where basically you know, she looks through every single, ver- you know, possible scenario in reality and then says, this is the one that I need to happen right now because it's the one, the best possible outcome. The best possible outcome is the bus starts. Mm-hmm. The best possible outcome is I make it to the witness, you know, thing. Like she, she's basically, you know, Rolodexing through and be like that one, go. And then like being able to choose them. And I think that's the cooler, bigger story that I think the I, I hope that the the feature film, you know, the other feature film and the web series and stuff actually goes into yeah. because I think that's your story, you know, like that's your your big that's your hook, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We get just a just a little taste, a little tease of what uh this this group that uh, they, they call a witness, uh, but with a, a, a Y instead of an I. Uh, Until they as, said it, I was like, whiteness? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also love the very British way that she says it, which is witness. Witness. <laughs> witness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like when she gets in the in the car and you know, uh, she's trying to make it start, you know, she finds an envelope and the envelope has the uh, the the witness symbol on it and the address. So like she she thinks I need to go there. Uh <clears throat> And another nod to the idea that this is, in fact, a multiverse story. I, I uh, contend you on that. Uh, she keeps finding a photograph of Dr. Ostergaard standing in front of this big, gorgeous old country estate that looks like an old boarding house or something. Uh, sometimes it's like a really close-up on him, and it's uh, it's shot in landscape. Sometimes it's a portrait. There's like subtle differences each time that she finds the photo. Uh, and... That implies that, like she's she's seeing different versions that could have happened of this photo, uh, but she you know, she finds the 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 envelope with the address. She finds a map, uh, does some good old fashioned map navigating, which I fucking love. Yeah. Uh, like bring that back. Fuck this GPS shit. No, I'm just kidding. GPS is awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, no, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she she throws together a bunch of supplies and a, and a bag and like grabs a you know compass and radios and a sweater or a jacket and she you know, she hits the road to go find this place thinking like this might have the answers for me uh but in a in a fun turn the radio that she brings with her uh keeps going off every now and with a voice that sounds suspiciously familiar and suspiciously uh, repetitive uh that is reaching out for help and every time the the person on the other side ends the conversation it's always with something to the effect of they're here they've found me 
Yeah, and and this is uh, this is another one. You know, as you said, it's kind of like another cool scenario is that we uh this is where the the variations uh or the uh because we do know um it is said kind of partially the way through like let's say halfway through mm-hmm. that it's it's not each time we see a thing happen it's not happening separately they're all happening on a time loop so it's mm-hmm. it's you know basically and, and they say early on like you know, when she gets super frustrated, she'll be like, you know, and then it's like that, like when uh, Mark Spector uh, transitions yeah. between the two, his different Moon Knight uh, perspectives, it jumps back to, they reset back to whatever, you know, position they want to reset them back to, you know, whatever checkpoint they want to reset them back to, um, to, to basically try the scenario again. But they're all happening, even though it's a time loop, they're all kind of overlapping and happening at the same time. Um, yeah. So each time it resets, like everybody resets back and then goes again and every, you know, in, in multiple, you know, infinite uh, variations. So that's where we see the times where everything's overlapping. And now she's starting to interact. And in one scene, she almost runs, she almost runs herself over. Mm-hmm. Um, in another scene, she uh, later on, like one of the last times we get our, our last loops, um, sh- as she's driving the bus, she sees the version of her on the street and uh, she's like, She's driving and she sees the, you know, the person crouching and being like, oh God, I'm about to be hit. And she's like, she's not there. She's not there. And she just yep. drives straight through and she's like, okay. Like that's, I think, <laughs> the moment where she's like, I starting to kind of understand the rules, not the why, but I'm kind of starting to see like what's happening, like what's real and what's not. Like I'm starting to figure it out. Yeah. Um, which is pretty interesting. And then she finally does get to uh, Witness. Witness. Uh, witness. Uh, and she sees two scientists talking um, who uh, I don't think they were uh, Professor Ustergaard. I think it's just two other random people. No, right? they were uh, Witness Scientist 1 and Witness Scientist 2, which uh, I so I think this was primarily a family uh, thing because as we established, uh, the writers were Tori and Matthew Butler Hart. Uh, yeah. The scientists were played by Wendy Muir Hart and Chris Hart. And, uh, which would uh, be her relatives because uh, so it looks like Matthew Butler Hart was Matthew Butler mm-hmm. and Tori Butler Hart was Tori Hart. And then they just hyphenated their names and they took each other's names. Very cute. And then one of the other uh, voices that we hear at one point is named Graham Butler. Uh, so I think they, they got as many of their family together as possible to make this switch also just like give me the tingles it is kind of i mean in all fairness they probably blew their budget on ian McKellen <laughs> and Colin Lothel. <laughs> and they were like shit we need to hire our friends that'll do it for free i wonder uh, what the budget was for this i know i tried to think i mean it couldn't have been much you know just based on what they did and, and I mean, stuff i feel like unless he was just bored and feeling charitable like uh or like was a was a friend like, right, maybe they know he, him. Like yeah. Ian McKellen alone would have been a, a pretty sizable uh, get. Uh, yeah, but like everything else, uh, just like pre, like I guess like actual production, not post production. I don't know the, the terminology well, but like the actual filming of the movie seems very low budget. But then, yeah, it seems like they they put a, a decent amount of resources into the final assembly. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, VFX alone, like, you know, one, uh, getting the Zeppelins in the air, uh, two, um, you know, uh, overlapping her uh, video on top of each other, you know, yeah. the uh, the background shifting between night and day, like, in the same scene. Like, there is a lot of VFX in this, uh, a lot of subtle VFX in this uh, film that they, they pulled off pretty well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so she finally makes her way to Witness. And she, you know, she's she's outside looking in. She sees the scientist talking. She sees one of them, and she's like banging on the window, like "Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me?" They pay no mind to her whatsoever. She eventually gets inside the building and is in like a uh, library study area. And you know, as she's sitting there and kind of just looking through everything, because this place is seemingly uh, abandoned or not abandoned, but uh, empty. Uh, the and people are in, like everything's in it, but there's just no people anywhere. Yeah, and again, like, the only only people that we see are these kind of, like, ghost-in-the-machine visions of these two scientists wandering around. And sometimes they're on a loop, or sometimes, you know, they're ahead of her, sometimes they're behind her, sometimes they're right next to her and they don't see her, yeah. uh, which I think was, again, some some really great editing. Uh, the place really does look like it's an old boarding school turned into, like, you know, remote research center for the uh, the sketchy because <laughs> uh, um, at, at one point like she's in a library uh that looks like it's straight out of like you know you name any british boarding school uh story and it's straight out of yeah. that at one point she's in what's obviously a computer lab but has been set up to be like a, an office uh basically for the the witness uh scientists uh complete with stacks of dvds stacks of DVDs. stacks and stacks of dvds do science twitter let us know at the uh, at the No Hoyt podcast on Twitter. Uh, do scientists still log their their findings on DVD for each other to just find in in rooms, just laying around in stacks? Is that a real thing? I, I need to know. I I need that's an answer we need above all else. That is <laughs> I don't the answer care about need. anything else. I have to know. Do scientists leave stacks of DVDs for for their colleagues or other people to find uh, to learn about the, the the deep secrets of their research? That's amazing. I hope so. <laughs> uh, so speaking of that, she, uh, you know, sees these stacks. She decides to start playing some. Uh, some of them are uh, just videos of Professor Ostergaard talking. It's the the interviews that we've mm -hmm. seen. But then she starts realizing that the ones she's viewing are a bunch of different variations of herself. Yeah. So one of them, she's in like a like a basement cellar, like an unfinished cellar, another one, you know, so it's just like she sees that there's multiple variations of her, like, the, you know, the attic version was not the only time she woke up in, in a strange place. Uh, and then again, w through wandering through the building, she actually stumbles across herself. And this mm -hmm. is the only time that uh, the character actually interacts directly with another person uh, who is herself. So she comes in and there's uh, an American version of her. Yes. Uh, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Uh, who is sitting there and she's like, oh, hello. And she's like, hello. She's like, so you made it here. She's like, that's great. And then, you know, I, I forget exactly, but she says something to the effect of like, oh, you must be the one that is always lost. She's like, mm -hmm. there's an infinite, you know, number of us and each one of us goes through a different scenario, but you're the one that is supposed to get lost every time. Which She's like, is you know, a mind fuck. Which mm. is, I, I liked, I mean, like that, that interaction is the movie for me. Like that is what the movie, you know, that is the movie I want, which is I'm hoping, you know, what we eventually get 
Um, you know, because I mean, this only was made only a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm hoping wilder, that that's what it is. That American version of her then turns and has a conversation with someone else who we don't see at all. So, yeah, <laughs> like and she's like, these "Oh, how are you doing?" Are overlapping in such like interesting, weird ways, and never like never entirely. And like she doesn't see entire scenes play out. She'll see like a version of herself or like the scientist. But like, ah, I gotta know who was she talking to. Why was yeah. she American in that one? It's infinite possibility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, infinitum, in fine, in infinitum. She uses the the Latin phrase ad infinitum, yep. uh, which basically means for infinity. Yep. Um, uh, ever um, talk everlasting. Uh, which I, I think I actually used that phrase in a, a recent episode. Uh, as we were talking about various multiversal stuff, I think I, I said something at infinitum. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, a really interesting phrase that if you want to sound pretentious, just use that instead of, you know, on and on forever. I think, uh, in any scenario outside of an academic setting, saying anything in Latin is pretentious. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, unless you were wearing a lab coat, if you use anything in Latin, you're just going to be like, fuck you. <laughs> Even if you are wearing a lamb coat, you probably are being pretentious. <laughs> you're probably going to be like, oh, well, lotus, thing is like, modus operandum. I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you're wearing the lamb coat, the chances are greater that you've earned the right to be pretentious more so than I have. So Right, right. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if after, you know, eight years of schooling and all that kind of stuff, you you earn to say Latin things. Like, I, I barely squeaked out of two years of community college. So, yeah. like, you're... You're fine. Go ahead, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you you've got it. Uh yeah, so so this uh, this movie, you know, I hate to say it is what it is. Um but it is. Y you kind of I feel like you have to go into the movie knowing what it is meant to be, knowing that it wasn't meant to be a film in the sense of like this wasn't meant to be a finished product. This wasn't meant to be a here's a movie, enjoy it, you know. I think you will have a better experience knowing this in advance if you if you have already watched the film. Um, that's that's my opinion. I think it works better knowing what it is. I I think that it, to an extent you're right. I think it works so well as the the proof of concept and as the teaser for. Uh, a larger world, uh, and I say it works because I want so badly to see the rest of what happens now. Uh, this has me hooked the way that it's supposed to. But I also think just from the perspective of clever, short-form storytelling on film, I really liked this. I I have... I don't think I have a single complaint about it, honestly. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed every second of this film. Uh, and so it, it, it has my vote as a standalone. If the, for some reason it, it all falls apart and infinitum never happens, you know, that will be a shame for, for the rest of the world to, to miss out on that. But I am content with what I saw today. Interesting. I, I, I don't, I don't think I, I didn't hate the idea. I don't hate anything that was presented in it. I just think it was too long. I think they made their point and then did it too many times. Like they could have done it. I could have gotten 10 variations in the beginning and then, you know, like I would have liked to have seen a like variation and each one just gets slightly longer instead of seeing it happen five times and then another thing happened and then another, you know, over and over again. It's like, I, I was like, I, I get where you're going. Like just get, get moving, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's where I was at. But I think like 
overall, again, you know, you read that description outside of the the way it was pro- uh, produced, outside of the way it was filmed and the way it was shot with the iPhone and lockdown and all that stuff. You subtract all of that and you pitch the story. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. I'm all in on the story. Like, yes, I want to see the lab rat, uh, you know, idea. Like, I want that. Uh, You know, and that's kind of was my complaint about Multiverse, the movie. You know, I was like, that's what you were getting. We're getting this infinite, you know, paracausal loop. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. like, I'm fine for it, you know, just, but give me it. Like, give me the loop. You know, don't just dangle it and then be like, yeah. As an aside, that feels like so much longer ago than it actually was. Uh, (laughs) I, I am super curious to see uh, if and when the, this universe gets built out, if we will see this released as basically like the pilot for it, like this is this is your backstory, this establish it, or if it'll be one of those things where like they'll just pick up the story wherever they want to and go forward and like those people who are like really into it can go and like search out and find this and get like the, the little glimpse of like the the origins or like, you know, the episode zero sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of like uh, like the web series uh, mm-hmm. episodes of like Battlestar Galactica. It's like yes. you don't have to watch them. Yeah, you know, you don't have to. It's not going to ruin. You're not going to go in and be like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Like, if you don't, but it's cooler if you do. They like, do yeah. add uh, just a little bit extra to the story. They they flesh out moments that like you know by nature a show in you know as a, a fast-moving behemoth has to gloss over sometimes. So yeah, uh, I, I would also appreciate that as, like, it stays as just kind of like an Easter egg that, like, you can go and find and 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 learn a little bit more, like, kind of just, you know, this is just one test subject. Maybe they never visit Jane again. Like, right. Maybe we never hear anything about Jane in the larger story. But if you go back and you can see, like, oh, there was there was another test subject, like, in the beginning of all this or something. Or yeah, like this I, this was the one that like really started it all because she you know unlocked the secret. You know that's uh, that's those kind of movies. You know where it's like that's that's the one that I I love that you know as you said like an Easter egg. I love that sort of idea of like mm-hmm. uh, oh it all spawned off this webs you know off this YouTube channel and now it's yeah. a full series. You know I like those sort of things. I I think that's cool because that's very like. It feels very underground and organic, you know, unless yeah. like we just had five million dollars, so we made a movie, you know. Yep. It feels like, oh, you did something cool, it got built up, and then somebody handed you a pile of money to do something bigger and cooler with it, and so you did, you know. Yeah. Um, so here's hoping Somnium. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is available on Tubi TV. Uh, if you are the type of person that watches movies after we review them, that's where you can go watch it. If you've already watched the movie, let us know what you thought about it. As we yeah. mentioned, our Twitter handle is the Nahoit Podcast. That's the N H O I T Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Tweet at us. Let you let us know what you thought of it. Let us know if you know you're looking forward to it, and, and we'd love to hear what you think. Um, but either way, uh, either way, I, I think you know. Should you watch this movie? If you are at all into the idea of multiverse and infinite uh, worlds, but more so stepping one version outside of it and saying that uh, a person could basically go through every single variation and learn from them lab rat style, if that fascinates you, yes, you should you should watch this movie. Yeah. If yeah. you're just like have a passing fancy in it, I don't think you should. I don't think you're going to have a good time. Um, I think there are other more rounded uh, multiverse movies that are probably better for you. Yeah. I wholeheartedly think that, that people should watch this, but with the knowledge that like 
it's not a casual watch. In order to like really get everything out of it, you've got to be paying attention. You can't do the like, oh, I'm just going to glance at my phone here because you're going to miss the little little yep. nuggets, the little breadcrumbs that bring the story along. Uh, and if if you don't like a time loop story, then take a pass on this one because, yeah. as we've said, it is very much a time loop story. Uh, very like I was just uh, reading recently the the behind the scenes of how the the like the classic. Uh, um, next generation time loop uh, story got got put together, uh, and like I, it, this gave me some of the same feels that I had watching that the first time. I love this kind of story, and will watch and like anyone you put in front of me. So, if you're like me, yes, hundred percent, watch it. Yeah. Um, so there it is, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have not dropped us a, a follow or a subscribe yet, make sure to do so uh, on your podcast player of choice. We have brand new episodes uh, twice a week, every Thursday and every Sunday. Thursday being our bonus episodes, Sunday being our, our typical movie reviews. Uh, this month, we're doing a whole multiverse month. And next week is our last multiverse story. And we are doing... Uh, this is a big one. I, I would say somewhat of a popular, but still kind of cult classic, um, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. I'm I very excited wait. for this one. I fucking love Heath Ledger so much. Yes. Uh, so I'm very excited to to watch this film again. I have not seen it in a long time, uh, but I'm very excited to see this because this, this was a weird one and it was a unique scenario and we'll, we'll talk all about all of the, the fun facts, well, not so fun facts, hmm. uh, about that movie. Um, uh, so there you have it, guys. So, uh, you know, again, Make sure to subscribe if you have, if you can, leave a rating and review if your podcast player choice does that. And of course, as always, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. As we know, it is the least you can do. Minimum, you know, and in every possible universe. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. We will see you next time. Yeah, I mean, it, it counts if you share with multiverse versions of yourself. It, yeah. That does count. Yeah. A father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. <laughs>